Hello and welcome to the Masters Swimming Podcast, available on all the major podcast platforms and on YouTube. I'm Joe Malone and joining me this week is Nicholas Hedegaard, a former Team Denmark swimmer racing in two European Championships in the 50 and the 100 breaststroke, and now co-founder of The Magic Five, custom fit goggles for swimmers all shapes and sizes. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Nicholas. Thank you, Joe. It's nice to be here. Uh, so you are, you're in Denmark at the moment. Whereabouts in Denmark are you? We just got some offices here in Copenhagen. So I'm I'm actually sitting in a new office space uh, in Copenhagen. Um, ah, brilliant. You have a great view there. The sun, uh, the sun shining out of your window. Right, that's a uh, nice for a change. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were just so we were just saying before we went on uh, on recording. It's raining here in the UK as ever, um, but you've actually got a week of sunshine out there, which uh, sounds quite nice. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, only thing that could make it better is hitting the open waters and, and enjoying that out there as well. Of course, yeah. No, nothing does beat the water, of course. Um, so look, let's talk about the Magic Five then. Um, the Magic Five, it, the journey. Well, as far as we're concerned, started in in 2017. Um, you might tell us it started before then, in terms of the idea and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we'll get onto all the specifics shortly. But my first question for you is: Why the Magic Five? Why is it called the Magic Five? It's a really good question, and something that we hear quite often. Honestly, um, a lot of people wonder about if it's because of the the angles of the goggles, or if there's five co-founders, or whatever that might be. But um, truthfully, it's it's because um, from the onset, we kind of imagined the company being able to do more than just swimming goggles. So we didn't want a name that was closely associated with water or with swimming or anything like that. Um, and then we, we stepped back and said, what is it actually that we're doing with the goggles? Well, we are not reinventing uh, the swimming goggle completely. It's not like when you look at them, you're like, oh, what are those? They don't look anything <laughs> like swimming goggles. <laughs> so we actually came up with a name based off that we take a product and 95% of it remains the same. You still have your elastic band, your your lens in the front and your nose piece and all that. But then we changed a small part of it, um, that 5%, and that makes all the difference. Those are the magic 5%. And then for the swimming goggles, it would be the fit of the gasket, the shape of the gasket. Um, and of course, the size of the nose piece, those two, we're able to change those to mold and mold it to every every person uh, out there. And then that really makes the whole difference. So so that's really the, the long-winded explanation for the name. No, that's really interesting. And again, I, I would have probably guessed uh, what you said at first that a lot of people guess um, in terms of like possible five co-founders or all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, your journey began in 2017, but but when did it really begin uh, with you and, and your co-founders? Is this something that you talked about for, for years throughout your careers or was it just something that you sparked an idea and just went with it straight away? So my two co-founders both had a background in uh, amateur triathlons. They were racing for... Um, so trying to race um, an Ironman, both of them, and me being the swimmer uh, <laughs> um, among their friends, they came to me and was like, Nicholas, we can't find goggles that fit. What do you do with goggles? And I told them about these Swedish goggles that you assemble yourself, and that's what every swimmer has to learn to to love sort of through their career. And in the beginning, they're, they're terrible, and then you sort of mold your face <laughs> to fit them. But that's really that's really what the top swimmers were using um, previously, right? And then they they just didn't believe it. They couldn't understand how the best swimmers could be using a product that was like seven dollars because. But that was the only thing that you could really sort of um, adjust a little bit to fit your face, right? 
Um, but then they have plastic cups and they're really uncomfortable. So um, we sat down and we said, okay, maybe there's something here. Um, one of the one of the co-founders, Bo, he's an engineer, so he's uh, he immediately has tons of ideas mm. and see things differently, and is not afraid to sort of tackle a big problem and be like, well, how do you actually make swimming goggles? I never really thought about it using swimming goggles my whole life, but we um, we decided to to go to China and figure out how you make swimming goggles because that's where all the goggles are made, and none of us had any experience in making goggles, so we needed to start and see. How, well, how do you do this? What machinery is required? How, yeah, how how do the other brands go about making goggles uh, for the whole world? And that that process really didn't scare us. It was more like, well, this doesn't seem too technical. It seems like that could be improved upon a little bit. Um, and then it quickly became, well, the issue is that that there's something with the fit that is not right. That you need to go to the store and you need to buy ten goggles, maybe. Um, before you can find one that sort of fits you. And then what happens if that goes out of stock or they'd stop producing it, then you're back to square one. You have to start all over again with that process. So um, we wanted to do something with a fit. And then we started with a Kickstarter in 2017. A Kickstarter campaign, for those of you who don't know, is, is a crowdfunding campaign um, where you, you put up a project, say, hey, we want to make these cool swimming goggles, but we need some help. Um, from the users in order to to back it and go out and pr- buy some equipment so that we can actually make them. Um, and that was a huge success. And then we had to buy robots and figure out how to, to actually make goggles <laughs> after that, yeah. That sounds fantastic. Um, just going back to the the concept of the magic club and that five percent being the difference. When you when you first went into this idea that you know the three of you was it that five percent that you were focusing on, or, or did the did the concept and the name sort of come a little bit further down the line? Um, the name came a bit later. Um, none of us are uh, creative by heart, I would say. So we we knew a guy that was very creative with branding and all this type of stuff, and he invited us to a meeting, and, and we were supposed to come up with a name, right? <laughs> and uh, he he wrote down a name on a piece of paper. And then he put that face down and no one could see it. And then we went through this whole process of discussing and figuring out, getting really to the heart of what is it that we want to do here? Well, as I said earlier, we don't want to make only swimming products. Um, we want to have a name that is sort of broader than that. And um, we actually don't change the whole product, all those things that I just explained. And then by the end of it, we sort of um, came up with the Magic 5. And then he turned over his piece of paper and it said the magic five. And that was, that <laughs> <Brilliant>. was, <laughs> some people are just like that, you know, they, they have that skill and um, yeah, but, but it sort of, it sort of came later um, when we were making the products and, and all of that. Yeah. Excellent. Let, let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign then. So you, you actually reached the top 1% of businesses on the platform. I mean, you've kind of explained what Kickstarter is. Did you know straight away that Kickstarter is the place you need to go? And how quickly did you get the success on there? So what's interesting about Kickstarter is that they have a pretty developed platform, right? They have tons of users that are ready to adopt new technologies, new products. That's all what Kickstarter is about. You are helping fund new companies Mm. um, in the very, very, very early stages. And sometimes it, it turns out to be a good project and sometimes you just, you you don't get anything out of it, right? But um, we knew that that was sort of a good fit for us because there are 10% of the Western population that swim. 
And a lot of them are probably early adopters and ready to try a new technology. So they would also be on Kickstarter. So we knew probably at least 10% of Kickstarter's users were going to be interested in swimming. Mm-hmm. And that was just a good match. That's that's a pretty good good pool to take from. So a lot of people think that, well, swimming goggles is quite niche. It's not that many people that, that use swimming goggles, but that's just because they don't swim. They're not among that 10%. It's um it's actually quite a lot of people. Um so yeah, that, it, it just seemed like a good fit for us. And the traction came pretty early, I would say. Um we managed to um to get around hundred and twenty thousand dollars, I think, at the time back in twenty seventeen. And that was enough to buy the the machinery that we needed mm-hmm. and and also move to to the US, uh, which was a bigger market than Denmark, where we're all from. Um, so, so that really, that really gave us a, a good start. And then like, if you moved a couple of months down the line, that was the time to actually produce the products. Now you have all these orders waiting and people are just like, we want the goggles, where the goggles mm-hmm. at? Like come make them for us. And, and that was a really fun time. Um, just because, um, you, you sort of, you sort of start this project and you, you know, you have the idea and you, you kind of know that you can do it, but then. There's all these other issues that, of course, come up when you start a company and you have to deal with that too. And then it's also different making um, a couple of prototypes and then going out and making 1,500 goggles uh, in a short amount of time. So that was a, that was a challenge, but it just it was so much fun. Mm, it sounds incredibly fun, I have to say, and uh, and congratulations for for taking the idea and really doing something with it because you know I've tried them; they're brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's it's fantastic. So with Kickstarter, people either people or businesses invest in this product do they become shareholders or is this or are they voluntarily giving you money so they voluntarily give you money they don't become shareholders but the way that it works is that um you set up a goal from the beginning and say hey we need uh, this amount of money mm-hmm. in our case it was i think fifty thousand dollars that we set as a target we need this that's our threshold then we can buy the equipment that we need and we can actually produce the goggles. If you don't meet that threshold, if you're not, if there's not enough people willing to, to help fund your goal, then no money is taken from anybody's account and the product project doesn't get funded. So then it's just a wash and okay. you can move on to something else and no one is, is worse off. But if it does get funded, everyone gets, um, everyone's funds are deducted and you can, it's transferred to you and you can start uh, going about your business. Yeah. Brilliant. It, it sounds like a brilliant platform. And um, again, well done for, for choosing that one because it's it's been a great success for you. Um, you were a swimmer yourself and you talked earlier about Swedish goggles. Did you did you find during your swimming career that you never quite found the right pair of goggles, that they, they just didn't quite fit right? They leaked. You, you were worried when you were diving in that they might slip off. Did, did you kind of always have that in your mind? Uh, yes, I, I would say that um, I definitely have had a lot of goggles that I couldn't wear at all right they would hurt my my uh, eye my bones around my eyes i would get bruises i definitely had that experience then you quickly stop using them and then you sort of settle for something that is uh that sort of works for you and i think a lot of swimmers maybe they don't they don't question it really because it's just been a part of what swimming goggles were for you like oh they they hurt and you get those goggle rings and that's just uh, that's just part of the fun like you just gotta live with it and yeah, um, they don't really question it. At least for me, that was how it was. And I never really questioned it. It was just what it was. And then it was just fun to be able to do something about it. 
Absolutely, yeah. So you talked about your two co-founders, um, Rasmus Barford uh, and Bo, Bo Haber. Sorry, um, they now live in the US, but they're originally from Denmark. And you talked about it's a bigger market over in the US. Is that really what inspired it, or did they kind of always have this dream to move out there? It was definitely the the goggles that that inspired it, and and so there's like thirty five million thirty five million Americans that swim regularly for fitness purpose that is there's only five million people living in Denmark so it doesn't really make sense to to go out and and make a still sort of a niche product or uh for for a smaller market like that and and there's so many people that live in America Americans are great so <laughs> yes. thought, why not let's let's move over there and then um Charlotte and and New York were the places that Rasmus and Bo moved and it it happened to be because that's where the wives could get work and stuff like that. So it was that was kind of a happen chance, but they were able to convince them that hey, let's 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 move the families over there. Um, and I stayed back here in Europe and haven't really made the move yet. Yeah, do you think that's something that you might do in the future? Maybe. Um, I kind of like Denmark though. I've lived there for a bit in Austria as well, where I was part of a, a professional swim team. Um, and then now I, I got a girlfriend down there and we moved back to Denmark and kind of like it here. It's nice too. No, that's good. And and you're spreading yourself globally, which is, uh, yeah. which is excellent. So tell us then about how the, how it works with the three of you. And obviously there are other members of staff as well, but predominantly the three of you, two of them are in the U S but they're in very different locations. You're over in Europe. So how does that, how does that work? You're on different time zones, you know, do you find it easy to collaborate? Um, yes, I would say so. It's a lot of time being on the phones and being on Teams, Zoom, whatever. Uh, spend a lot of time there. Um, but it it it's. I think it's uh, has its pros and its uh, its cons. Obviously, it's it's very valuable to be face to face. Sometimes um, you can discuss different things. You can get more in depth of different subjects. Um, but it's also nice to be able to to live the life that you want and not be restricted by hey, over here is where you have to be because your friend wants to live there it's kind of um, it's more free and i, I kind of like it that in today's day and age it's it's possible to even live in completely different places and run a company together yeah um so it's for me it works perfectly i also don't have kids yet so i'm able to to work late at night and in, in like in the afternoon don't have to pick up any kids from from daycare or anything like that so for me, it works quite well with the time difference. Um, maybe it will change. We'll see. Yeah, no, it sounds perfect. Do you do you ever get together, the three of you, how, like a few times a year? Or sure, actually, Bo is uh, was just in Denmark a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, right now he's traveling, but but he was just here helping to set up the this office space. And yeah, we 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 see each other maybe five to six times a year, I'd say. Uh, Rasmus and Bo obviously see each other a little bit more, but. Do get together quite often, yeah. That's good. So you talked about your new your new office. Then you you moved into that last week. Were you in an office before that, or were you working from home? And is this like your first office? Working from home, yeah, yeah exactly. I took that for me. COVID was no change at all. I was like, oh, now everyone else gets to experience what I'm experiencing <laughs> every day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I've actually enjoyed working from home too. Um, it it doesn't bother me at all. Again, you can structure your your day how you want it. No one is blind on you to to be in a certain place at a certain time. That's um that's very freeing. I like that. Mm. We'll talk about the science behind the goggles in a minute, but I'm really interested in the idea that you know you were a professional swimmer, so I presume you'd never had 
you know, an office job before you retired from the sport. And then you went straight into a, a swimming product. Did you always know that you wanted to stay in the sport? Not at all, honestly. Um, I, I didn't, that didn't occur to me until we sat down and talked together. It wasn't something that I wanted to pursue. Like I know that I have to find a product in swimming that I can, yeah. I can go and work with, but I'm so happy that it happened. Um, I think I just, I really had a deep love for swimming. That was my whole life for so many years. And I knew that I needed something to sort of replace that mm. and to have some sort of purpose because it, you really need to have be very driven and and find a purpose in swimming to get up every morning for morning practice <laughs> and, and those long uh, drilling sessions and training camps and all of that. Uh, so finding something that replaced that in sort of level of importance work-wise, something that I could strive towards and find purpose in was 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 key more than what it was i think um, yeah that time, yeah that sounds great and is your office full of uh pictures of swimming and swimmers and you, you diving off a block and all that sort of stuff <laughs> not yet but it will be <laughs> brilliant brilliant i'm glad yeah. um so so let's talk about the science then behind the goggles because it's really fascinating i mean so, so how it works is you, you order a pair of goggles you then download uh the app and then you take a, a scan of your face in in so many different ways and the machine then literally makes a custom fit pair of goggles for you. Um, I've tried it and they fit absolutely perfectly. So how did you create the app? And again, was that, was that something that you had to get, I assume third party help from as well? So now we're getting into the, to the, to the detail stuff. And I like that. It's um, <laughs> um, so we knew that we wanted, the measurement part of the like when you're gonna when you're gonna make a custom product, you need to measure people some way, right? And we knew that we wanted to do that with the least amount of friction possible. Um, before us, I think maybe the only other custom thing you could get was uh, custom insoles, and then often you would have to go to the store and you sort of put your foot into a scanner, foot scanner. And then they would measure everything. But then you need to buy a foot scanner. And you can't <laughs> ship out a foot scanner to everybody and be like, or a face scanner and be like, hey, scan your face with this one and then send yes. it back afterwards. That doesn't work. Too much friction. So we we know that everyone has smartphones and used to taking selfies and doing all that stuff. So we had to figure out, okay, how can we actually scan your face with your phone? And luckily, um, you, you said the right thing. Do we need third-party help? It's not... Um, I think we were lucky that we got the idea at the right time. Had we gotten this idea 10 years earlier, the technology wouldn't have been ready yeah, for us. We just, oh, we, it doesn't exist. Let's put that in the on the shelf and then maybe look at it later. But mm. the technology was actually mature enough to for us to do this. And there's a lot of companies that do facial scanning stuff and also, also the big phone companies. Think about your... Um, your Instagram filters or Snapchat filters and, and all this, how that actually works. It maps out your face and then it adds a layer on top. That's exactly the same thing that happens. So the technology is really helping us in a really, really good way. Cameras are getting better and better. So we we, we had to put that technology into an app. Um, and then what happens is that depends a little bit on which phone you're on and uh, which software you're running, but for most phones, uh, you sort of uh, hold your head still and then you move the, the phone around to capture different angles. And then that produces 
uh, you put all those images together from all those different angles, and that produces then the 3D model of your of your eye socket. And then it actually gets quite precise. Um, you can measure down to to millimeters, tens of millimeters, even mm-hmm. um, the distances between your eyes and and all those sorts of things. And then that's that's really what the app is for. Uh, nothing else than that. And honestly, that um, that's not really our secret sauce. A lot of people can do facial scanning and and or scan other things, right? And make a 3D model out of that. That's not the difficult part. That's just gathering the data. The difficult part becomes fitting something else to this data set. So now I'm now I have a, a scan of of Joe Malone's eye socket. Now I need to fit a pair of swimming goggles to that. <laughs> and with a 3D model of the swimming goggles. And that's really what to my knowledge, no other company really has done successful um, at this time. Not not from a scan of a, of a phone, at least. Um, I went through a process of doing uh, Invisalign, which is te- uh, teeth correction. I don't know what that's called, yeah. and if that's the correct term. But um, there, they have this big machinery to scan your teeth, and then they they give you all these um, um, uh, like. What are they? What are those called? Like the ones that you put on your teeth to sort of correct them. Retainers. Like, retainers. Thank you. Yeah. They give you all these different kinds of plastic retainers, and then you correct your teeth. And but that's all from a very expensive piece of equipment. So the difference is really you take data from a phone, and and you fit something else to it. I think we're the only ones doing that. That's brilliant. So do do you have? Is this something that you do yourself, or do you have engineers that that work for you now? That's all us. That's uh, me, Bo, and, and, and Rasmus having developed all that. Um, um, Bo is, is an engineer, as we as I think we said earlier, and he he's really good with computers. <laughs> he's uh, he's brilliant, to be honest. And me and him, um, I have all the knowledge of how goggles should fit, right? I've worn all the goggles. I have, we had a big group of people that were able to help us test early on, and we only get better. Um, the way that it works is also. If you get a pair of goggles and you don't like them, which which does happen, we're quite honest about that. That it happens right now for about three to four percent of our customers. Um, we also try to ask people, uh, "Do you like the product or not?" And when they've had it for a couple of weeks, um, the ones that don't like it, they have to go through a feedback process, telling us, "Well, where does the water seep in? Where does the product hurt? Does it, do you have pressure points around your eyes based um, because of the goggles?" Um, and that feedback is really able that that's really useful for us because we can we can put that back into the algorithm and make it better over time. So next time it will meet a face that looks similar to Joe Malone's face, then it will be able to do a better better job of, of finding the right fit for you. Yeah, that sounds perfect. It, it's very easy in, sitting here in my position to to imagine that you you started this in in 2017 here we are in 2023 and it's just been this perfect linear line of progress and that you had this whole idea all along but actually that's probably not the reality is it and we're here we are talking about the the science the and how you gather the data was this something that you intended to do from the start or did you try other things a few years ago and change it along the way we were pretty set on the way that we like the process of it, the data capturing and and how that would go into an algorithm and, and sort of um, fit the product that way. I think the whole 
the whole roadmap of how to do the, the process side of things that hasn't changed that has remained the same okay and I, I don't expect that to change what has changed though is uh, details around the product right some of the first ones that we send out via kickstarter the nose pieces would break or the the elastic was super bad or whatever it was and that's just super important that you remain honest and true yeah. to your customers and then whenever we were able to fix it we would send out new ones to the ones that had had been complaining about uh, the faulty products because they it it's only based on feedback that you're able to improve so whenever people tell them your honest opinion even if they scream at you <laughs> you really have to you really have to take that in and 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 do something with it um because yeah but if you want to scale a product like this we want to sell millions of goggles eventually right then a mistake or an issue with a product that that can cause a a problem for one in ten when you've sold ten goggles that needs to be corrected pretty fast uh, otherwise you have big issues with down the line right so um it's a fun process but uh, we still we still continue to improve on, on it yeah yeah absolutely you want you want to sell a million goggles in the end how many have you sold so far we have about one hundred and fifty thousand customers today. Um, and they spread all over the world, all like, yeah, more than 140 countries, I think. Brilliant. So and when when, nice. did, when did you sell your first product? But that was via Kickstarter. And then when Kickstarter was over, um, then it's time to create your own website. And, and that really was in the middle of, uh, of 2018 that this sort of turned into a, a standard e-commerce business. Yeah. Mm, brilliant. So you've talked a lot about the three of you guys, the co-founders, um, Christina as well, I know is, is working on all the social media side of things and the marketing. Is there anybody else that you employ? Sure. We we work with, uh, with club partnerships. So we have a more traditional sales team that actually talks to all of our club partnerships. Um, we're really happy to to partner with so many amazing clubs, uh, triathlon, masters club, stuff like that. Um, then customer service you have to to have, obviously. Um, yeah, there's uh, production. We also worry about production, right? We have to produce the product ourselves. So it's actually the full full value chain sort of that we, that we take care of, yeah. Do you find that your product is more popular with swimmers or triathletes or is it an even spread mm, that's a really good question i think here in the beginning it's been relatively easy to to talk to triathletes a lot of the, of the people in our team are also triathletes themselves um i think triathlon in a lot of ways are more focused and more geared towards uh, brands and exposure for brands um there's it's just been it's been um, more difficult to find good avenues to market the the product towards swimmers. Um, so I would say right now, uh, could maybe forty percent of our customers come from tri triathlon, and then um, yeah, a big portion as well, just recreational swimmers mm -hmm. um, who who swim once or twice a week for yeah. for fitness, and then um, the rest would be either competitive swimmers, master swimmers, uh, or that sort. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine that actually, because I've done a few triathlons myself and it's it's a totally different mindset in mm. terms of in terms of products and what you wear and and you know, because there's a lot more equipment, of course, in, in triathlon, mm -hmm. you know, you think about cycling, there's lots of equipment there, not just a bike. And you would you will often go to when you go to race a triathlon and there'll be stalls and stalls of products and it is unbelievable just how much stuff there is whereas when you go to a big swimming meet even a big national meet at masters level you might have one stall two stalls and they'll make custom made 
products for that competition uh but they're not selling you know their high-end uh products mm. necessarily so um so I, I i'm i'm not surprised at all uh that triathlon is, is is probably or has been more popular at this point um so in, in 2021 you went on the show shark tank um you secured massive investment from two sharks what one million us dollars am i am i correct there that's completely correct yeah yeah amazing so Again, what inspired uh, you to go on that program and, and how far has the business come since that investment? Um, the first question, what inspired us to to get there? I think a lot of people have, have when they sort of hear about the product the first time, it, it seems like a good fit for a show like Shark Tank. It's it's innovative. It's something new. It's uh, the price point is not completely ridiculous. It's um, it, it just, it it's a really... It would be a good sell on a show like that. And we were often approached and said, oh, this would be something for you. And we also have the Danish equivalent. Um, it's called Lion's Den in Denmark, uh, but it's similar. Um, and we we just, we actually didn't really think about it early on in the beginning. And then it sort of happened that the, that they actually reached out to us and said, hey, we wow. found your product. And I don't know if someone in their department was a swimmer or, <laughs> or saw some of one of our ads or something like that, but they were like, hey, do you want to come on the show? Uh, then you still have to go through all this, yeah, uh, all the processes. It's yeah. not like one in one person in the marketing department says you want to come on and then it's just a done deal. But <laughs> um, that was really, then it came on our radar. And we were like, well, maybe this is actually a really, really good idea. Um, and then, yeah, you, we had to prepare for TV and all mm -hmm. that. And um, it was a, it was a huge deal. Getting, getting $1 million is obviously um, a really important thing for, for a startup company like ours. Um, but beyond that, it's also getting um, the knowledge um, of two really, really successful uh, businessmen um, from the show, Robert Herjavec and, and Mark Cuban, um, and their teams. They they obviously invest in in a lot of companies uh, through that show and and outside, and they have a huge team of people that are able to help you. So instead of us having to go out and hire an agency to help us with a new um, with a new business plan or something like that. We can just pull from from their resources and get a lot of help that way. So that has uh, that has been very helpful as well. Um, besides just the just the money. Mm. Well, I have to say I, I love what you're doing because you know being a, a professional swimmer, it, it would be so so easy, wouldn't it, to retire and, and do something completely different? And that in itself is is fantastic. But the fact that you've stayed in the sport but you've not gone down the generic route of like becoming a coach or or something like that. You've gone into something that is completely innovative and is improving, uh, you know, the feel for swimmers when they're in the water or, you know, ultra athletes. Um, so no, it's fantastic. And let's talk about some of the athletes that are wearing the goggles then. So there are, there are certainly many of them uh, and a few very standout people. So, so tell us about some of those athletes. So um, I think quite early on, one of the, one of the, first athletes that that really had a bet in us when we weren't anything that was a, a triathlete from the u.s ben canute um he's a he's a really really good triathlete one of the best in america on the on the long distance and the ironman distance um so that was that was really huge and then it was sort of when when one athlete opened his eyes to to the magic five then other athletes were like, hmm, maybe that's not completely wrong what they're doing over there. <laughs> and then um, um, we were we actually got uh, Jan Frodeno, who is one of the um, he's probably the world's best triathlete. Um, I'll let the, the listeners the, debate that amongst each other if they're triathlon fans, <laughs> if it's him or, or some other guy. But uh, 
um, um, Olympic medalist, uh, Olympic champion actually, and, and multiple multiple time world champion, and he's actually invested in the company. Brilliant. Um, and on the swimming side, we have uh, Matt Grievers, who is a six time medalist from from the Olympics, uh, American swimmer, backstroker, incredibly fast. Oh, yeah. And uh, he he recently retired though. But uh, then we have a we have a Polish um, Polish lady, um, Kasia Wasik. Was, uh, she had a crazy year in the past in the past one year here. Um, before she partnered with us, uh, she she never won an individual medal at a big championship meet, and in the past year she has won three silvers at European Championships, World Championship short course, and World Championship long that's, course. That's the magic five. I I, I won't five. take too much credit. She's an amazing <laughs> athlete, but uh, we do joke about maybe maybe the goggles has something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Now it's incredible to be able to work with with athletes at that level. Um, they're so focused on the small details, and then um, them trusting in in the product is really a big um, it's a big pat on the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only going to get better than that. I'm sure there'll there'll be plenty more athletes wearing wearing them. You know, in the not too distant future, I, I, I can imagine. So, where where do you want to take the Magic Five next? Obviously, you've got goggles. That's that's what you're all about. But you do sell sell swim caps. I can see you're wearing a t-shirt right now. Are there other are there other products that you would like to venture into? Yeah, I think um, I think it makes sense for us to to bring on some of the more standard accessories that you would use for swimming that don't necessarily rely on custom fit or would benefit for custom fit. I think you know, if people are using our goggles, why shouldn't they be able to use um, a pool boy or a kickboard or something like that with branded the Magic Five. So I think we will bring on some of those in the near future. But then the technology is really um, um, the future of that is really going into other products where it can really benefit from being custom and and taking our know how on how to apply technology uh, to a product and and changing that whole thing and, and turning it upside down. Um, and that's not going to be in in swimming. Um, I presume so, but I, I can't disclose too much about that. It's all a work in progress. We also have so we're working with some partnerships. Um, we have we have a partnership with Canyon um, that we um, we announced uh, some months ago. It's a big bike bike brand, um, and we're doing something there. So um, yeah, outside swimming for the technology, and and then bringing on some additional non custom products in in swimming is probably what's going to happen here. Yeah. Excellent. Well, look forward to seeing what what those are, and uh, yeah, all sounds fantastic. I'm glad that you you want to keep growing and, and creating new stuff. That's that's what it's all about, isn't it? So let's talk about your swimming career. Then you are a retired um, swimmer now, although I'm sure you do still swim. Um, but you were a breaststroker, fifty and hundred, maybe the two hundred as well. Short course, yeah, for sure, not long course. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your well out of those three events? What would you say was your your strongest? I really like doing the. The hundred breaststroke, yeah, it had a little bit of both, um, both the the very sprinty stuff you needed to get out fast, and then um, you also had to to work with your with your lactate levels and making sure that you could uh, that you could perform when you were getting really really tired. It wasn't just a sprint, so I, I kind of like that. It had uh, for me at least, um, it had a lot of different aspects that you that you needed to focus on, and that was intriguing to me. So mm. yeah. And I, in general, I preferred short course. Uh, I was really good on my turns, and um, I was one of the bigger guys, I would say. Uh, so for me, long course was sometimes a bit of a struggle. Um, but yeah, 
it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Who, who were you swimming with out there? Which team were you part of? Um, I swam most of my career in uh, in my hometown club where I grew up. Um, it was a pretty big, pretty good club. It's called the Farm Swim Team. It's a city, I think, twenty kilometers outside or north of of Copenhagen. Um, and I grew up there, spent most of my childhood there, and also my teenage years. And I, I swam there, and then I've been swimming in the the United States, um, different teams, um, shorter stints. But uh, I, I spent half a year at Ohio State. I didn't swim on the on the university team, but I swam at the club team there. Um, and then I've been in, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I've been to Austria and and swam at a at a professional team down there with a with a lot of really really good swimmers. Yeah, brilliant different experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you raced at two European Championships. Which which ones were those? It was uh, the ones in Denmark. Actually, we've had two in Denmark. Uh, we had one in uh, Henning in 2013, and then one in Copenhagen in, in 2017. Um, so those were both short course uh, European Championships, and just amazing events to to race in front of a home crowd. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, would you say they were the highlights of your of your racing career? A hundred percent. I, I that, it's just the uh, it's different to go out and be part of uh, of those big championship meets. There's a whole different atmosphere around it. Like they built a pool in a big arena just for you. <laughs> That's the crazy thing, right? They build a pool. It takes a week. Then they put in all the water, and then you swim your race, and then they tear it all down, and then move on to set it up another place. And that just be part of that you walk in you knew you know like a week ago there wasn't a pool here <laughs> and this is all because that's where the spectators can be um they can't sit in a normal swim pool environment there's not space for them there that that's just it's a different vibe and that was quite huge but i've also been part of i've, I've had national titles and national records and that there's a lot when you when you had a long career right i swam from i was 10 till till i was 28 um and those last maybe 12 years were pretty serious so it's um yeah it's fun to think back 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 upon but it's also it's memories now yeah yeah absolutely and, and great memories i'm sure did you do you find that you well the magic five gives, still gives you that kind of buzz that, that you maybe need as a or the adrenaline boost that, that you used to get as a swimmer right that's that's what i was hinting at earlier that's a good way to put it like when you when you stuff swimming there's that well where's that purpose right mm. now right there's no adrenaline bus anymore there's no um you really need to be sure about what it is that you're doing if you want to go out uh at, at five in the morning and do it <laughs> so <laughs> that I, I would say that yeah the magic five has somewhat replaced that but it, it's also uh, standing at the block and you're prepared for months and um you're about to, to enter the water and see how how good you will be that feeling is just um, as difficult to replace, man. That's really, really difficult. And even if I, I just entered a uh, an open water race. I've never done an open water race before. I'm gonna race in uh, in Montenegro this um, uh, this fall. It's a thirty three point three ultra swim event over four days. It's something wow. completely different from That's fifty different. breaststroke and yes. hundred breaststroke. But I'm still assuming that I'm gonna get some level of adrenaline i can already feel when i'm talking about it that i'm a little bit nervous right i'll have to actually swim a lot to be able to do that and still i'm imagining that it won't have that same like yeah adrenaline when i when i get to the to the edge but it's all good it's um 
you get older, something else happens in your <laughs> life and you you move on, right? Yeah. Well, what what happens is you get older and you become a master swimmer. So exactly. is, that some, is that something that you thought about doing? Um, it's a good. I, I actually raced um, one master's meet, but that was still when I was uh, was swimming competitively. So I didn't really. I wasn't retired yet, and we 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 got together some guys and wanted to see if we could beat the world record in the youngest uh, age bracket, <laughs> and we did in the in the how do you say eight hundred free relay? Yeah, so sure, 200. sure. Um, and the four times hundred and short course, that was so much fun. Uh, got a little diploma and all that. It was a uh, crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Brilliant. So you're, you're doing an open water swim. Do, are you still hitting the pool quite regularly? Um, not as much as I probably should. Uh, I, um, I came back to swimming um, a little over a year ago and did a national, uh, national meet and that was fun. And then since then I barely swam. So it's time. Um, my first first practice is going to be this Thursday. Uh, signed up. Um, a lot of my my friends from swimming uh, turned coaches, so I have a lot of opportunity to to go and join the swim team and and still get in the water. So it's just about going and doing that. And maybe who knows if uh, if there's a masters meet uh, along that journey in the next half year, I'll I'll sign up and do it as well. Yeah, well, I recommend it. And of course, this time it'll be better because you'll be wearing the Magic 5 goggles, right? 100%, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never really got to race too much with my goggles um, because it was right around the time when I when I quit swimming, right? So I, I was able to wear them for the past couple of meets or the last couple of meets that I, that I attended, but then, yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Nicholas. That was uh, absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed hearing the hearing the story. I'm sure everybody else did as well. Um, you can check out the Magic Five if you go to their website. They're also on social media. Um, I, I think I've covered all the bases there. So thank you once again. It was a pleasure to have you on, Nicholas, and uh, speak to you very soon. Thank you, Joe. It was a pleasure to be here. Nice talking to you. Thanks.